Welcome to the Innovations in Anti-Aging Living Show with Dr. Ann Trong. Here's where we'll explore how to live your best life with stem cells. Listen in to hear key opinion leaders, mentors, motivators, and other guests discuss about stem cells innovations. Stem cells will redefine medicine. This show will lead you to slow down aging and thrive to live the life you've always wanted to live. Hosted by Dr. Ann Trong, the international best-selling author of Erectile Dysfunction Fix Using PRP to Treat ED. And she has been recognized as Entrepreneur of the Year. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at trongrehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Joel Baumgartner. He, to me, is like a superstar in regenerative medicine, and I'm honored that he can spend time with us today. Dr. Baumgartner, please tell us about who you are and how you get to be doing what you do. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, I guess my story goes way back. You know, if you go back to why did you want to go and become a doctor, it kind of goes back to, to childhood in a way. You know, it's things that break you, things that make you better, that all contributes to what you are as a person. So my dad was a physician, but I tell you what, if there's anything about that, it's probably why I did not want to go into medicine, simply because hours worked and so busy, and he was on call, you know, not home for dinners, and I thought, man, that's not the lifestyle I want. But it wasn't until... I was in college and I was working a job as a nurse's aide. I don't know if you've ever worked as a nurse's aide or know what it's like, but it's the most humbling job you can do. You're basically taking care of people at the end of their life and just helping them be comfortable. And but it paid very well, but it was a job to get me through college. But what I learned, in fact, you know, going into that job, I was an art major. I was, you know, super creative. I wanted to be an art major and just love using my creativity to do things that way. But what I realized when I got this job as a nursing home is, you know, they first put me with a gal named Barb. And Barb was multiple strokes. She was catatonic. She had gloves on her fingers and she would scratch her face and had ulcers all over and couldn't talk, couldn't feed herself, couldn't do anything. So basically my job as the lowest one of the totem pole was to basically feed her, dress her and put her to bed every day. So for the first two weeks, it was super dull, you know, not much going on. And I was kind of bored of my job. I thought, you know, as long as I'm here, I might as well talk to Barb, even though she doesn't respond to me, I have to feed her. So Started telling her some stories, told her a story about this girl that was kind of, that was cute and wanted to ask out, but I was too shy to do it. And I noticed that after about two weeks of doing that, she kind of smiled at me when I talked about this redhead. It's like, oh, she's listening. This is weird. So for the next couple of weeks, I just kept talking to her, telling her stories, just pumping into her. And fast forward to the end of the summer, Barb is feeding herself. She is talking to me. She's telling me stories about her husband, Joe, who she didn't like very much. The cool thing is, you know, we'd have conversations and I'd put her to bed and then I'd lift her up and I'd kind of, you know, put on the radio, would put some music on. We'd kind of slow dance and I'd kind of give her a big hug and kiss and I'd say, Barb, you know what? I love you. And she'd say, hey, I love you too. And then I'd, you know, tuck her in. But so what I learned was like, man, I was made to help people. You know, I, an artist is great. My creativity was, it was just amazing. But I felt like God had made me for a purpose to, to actually really help people in, in a deep, profound way. And Barb taught me just by caring about somebody, you can really make a huge difference. So I called my dad. I was like, Dad, you know, I'm going to still do art, but uh, I'm going to do a double major in pre-med and just see what happens. I said, if God wants me to go to med school, I'll get in. If not, that's fate and I'll be an artist. So he's like, yeah, he sounds like a good idea. My dad said, you know, I think he was pretty relieved. I was going to try something more stable in life. 
So the same thing, you know, went and applied and did get in, and that was kind of where things changed. And Was that right after undergrad, or did you take some time off no, after undergrad? No, I was pretty motivated and said, if I'm going to do this, let's do it. So super competitive as well, so kept my grades good and applied and got in. And So med school is great, but the interesting thing is once you start getting into the field of, of medicine, you start practicing. You know, my uh, background is um, uh, primary care. Yeah, along with non-surgical orthopedics. So my fellowship training is in non-surgical orthopedics. But when I first started out, I was, you know, treating patients, huge schedule, working for a large, you know, organization, uh, 25 patients a day, popping out pills, uh, prescriptions, uh, pain medications, cortisone shots. And I found myself really dissatisfied. And for a lot of ways, I felt that I was being rushed. I was getting burnt out. And I felt like I was not giving the service to these patients that they deserve. I wasn't giving them the time, the caring that I gave Barb that changed her life, just simply caring for her. So I thought, you know, this is crazy. So I did that for about six years. And then uh, best thing happened to me is I lost my job, which was awesome. So what happened is the large organization I was working for closed down our clinic and said, we're moving out of town, going back to the big cities. But they thanked all of us for working and they gave us a 60 day notice with no severance and no pay. So it was like my kick in the butt. Okay, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to try to start my own clinic, which is called Reju medical you know after the 60 days were up i already had my llc started started reju medical in about 800 square foot little room had the opportunity then to really do health care the way i really feel is right for patients and so that's been gratifying we're gonna dive into that later but i kind of want to go back yeah. and kind of find out who was dr baumgartner as he was growing up what was your childhood like family like you know before undergrad and yeah. before before you went to med school so it's a great question. I think, you know, by the time I was in college, you heard about Barb, I was fearless. But as a kid, hopefully I can get through this, I was broken. You know, most of us have ports in our lives that break us down, you know, things that make us who we are. And I think it's what you do with those experiences. They either make you Superman or they, you know, turn you down and you never do anything with your life. But so as a kid, you know, you already know I'm kind of creative and I, I, I liked art and that was kind of my passion. But uh, so when I was a kid, we moved, you know, multiple times. My dad was military doc. So he would, you know, every about two or three years we'd move as a kid. So by the time I was in fourth grade, I was in about five or six different schools. So from kindergarten to first grade, almost every other year we, we flipped a school. So I just didn't have that stable, you know, friendship background, which, you know, it seems kind of like, well, but it, it makes a difference. And the, the thing about me is I was a little bit introverted. Now I love to talk and I'm outgoing. I love people. But back then, you know, I was very shy. I was insecure. I did not have a good basis of who I was. And But I did excel in art and I was uh, very athletic. So my mom, brilliant lady, realized that, man, you know, Joel's kind of a smaller statured kid. And my older brother, Jimmy, three years older, big dude, played football, very successful in athletics. And he played all the sports that got all the attention. So it was like football, track, basketball. My mom's like, well, you know, you're a little dude, so let's put you into gymnastics and tennis. But I excelled. I did really well, and it was great, and I love all those sports, and I still do. But it's different. So what happened is when we finally got out of the military, we moved to a small town in western North Dakota. So the thing about that town is football's king, rodeo's king, and if you're a gymnast who plays tennis and is very creative, artistic, and shy, you don't really fit in with all the cowboys and football players. So – yeah, I was I was one of those kids that you know typically bullied, made fun of young girls' sports because I did gymnastics. Where we know pound for pound, gymnasts are the most powerful athletes. But yeah, so it was it was kind of a broken first few years there, and it, it broke me down. Kind of gave me made me I was insecure. I couldn't read till I was in second grade. I was just you know just kind of broken. But what happened is uh, once I kind of started getting into junior high, I had a couple good friends. You know, those friends were like thought it was cool to be around. They thought I was super funny. They liked my creativity. By the time I was a freshman in high school, I was kind of hitting my strides. I was, you know, 
just really felt much better about myself. I was getting confidence. Still was, you know, the gymnastics creative dude. But you fast forward to my senior year, I was voted most influential. I was homecoming king. I was also class president. So I had definitely made a point that it's okay to be yourself. You know, I was outside the box, but I learned that it's okay to be outside the box. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to be creative. It's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to care for people. And I remember when I was a senior, okay, I finally found my confidence, but there was these two freshmen females. They had little lower voices and they identical bright red hair, but they were ridiculed by the school, right? Their books were slapped down. They were called names. So when I first saw it happening, it broke my heart. I'm like, I was those two girls four years ago. I was ridiculed. I was made fun of. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be their best friend. So I started talking to these two freshman girls. And no one's ever talked to them before. And here I am, the cool dude in school talking to them. But I made a point to walk into other classes. I'd give them earrings for their birthdays. And I realized you know, they're brilliant kids. They're really smart. The reason they're different is they're brilliant, right? But no one saw their uniqueness but me. But we became friends. And it, it's just, you know, again, it gave me that confidence that, you know, you need to care for people. And being outside the box is truly cool. But that, being outside the box and being, you know, okay to do that, when I finally had to open my own clinic, I went back to the fact that I'm fearless, right? I can I can do things and it's okay to be different. And when you're doing the kind of stuff that we do in medicine, where you're outside the box and you're doing cutting edge things like PRP and stem cells and hormones and things that aren't traditionally in medicine, but it's evidence-based and it's right for the patient. For the first five years of opening a practice, it's like being a freshman in high school again. You know, doctor, he does snake oil. He's injecting PRP and stem cells. And what's happened over the last five years is the type of medicine that I'm practicing has been validated in research. People are trying to catch up with what we're doing in my clinic because they realize that's what patients deserve. I can't get patients in enough because they love what we do. So it's just been an interesting ride. You know, this brokenness is from childhood. It's what to do with them. But in the end, it can help create the amazing person that you are. So good lessons to be learned. How did you get from a freshman shy, ridicule guy to that homecoming king? What transitioned? Because I take a lot of of uh, willpower and, you know, what's happened? It's not that easy. I know. Yeah. But what what drive you? What was the motivator? I'd say three, two or three good friends that believed in me, that thought I was, you know, worth hanging out with that, you know, that kinship. We laughed together. And I started realizing, hey, my personality is kind of cool. I, I'm a funny dude. I'm creative. And, you know, I think it takes one or two people to give you that confidence. Yeah, it's amazing. When you kind of go back through life to you, there's always these two or three key people that have a profound influence on you and change the course of your path. For example, one of the person that changed my course was when I was a um, worker for that large organization, you know, popping steroids and such. One of my patients was a nurse. Her name was Susan. And Susan knew that I was into, you know, trying new things. I was trying prolotherapy at the time. I was getting educated and certified in functional medicine. And she's like, you shouldn't even be working here. I said, you're, what you want to do with your, your life and what you're getting trained in is so far above what you're doing. And she said, if you ever stop working here, please give me a call. I'd love to be your nurse. So about a month later is when that clinic shut down. So I called her up. I'm like, hey, Susan, remember you said you want to be my nurse? I said, let's do this. I said, we're going to open this place. It's going to be called Regional Medical. I'm going to be the doctor. You're going to be the nurse and we're just going to do it. She's like, great, I'm ready to do it. And so again, but her confidence in me totally gave me the the nudge to do this on my own. So those critical people are so important. So it's people believing in you and people that you trust that really help elevate who you are. Yeah, for sure. And just letting those natural gifts that God gave you come out. I mean, I think as a kid, I had all those gifts inside me, you know, the gift of, you know, a brain the gift of, you know, uh, creativity for thinking outside the box. I was a visionary, able to create things. 
So it's, sometimes it's peeling back all the junk so that true little person can, can blossom through. And I think that's what happened is, you know, over time, I said, okay, let's just let that real person come out. When did you find out that you were so creative? I was an artist ever since I was little. I remember being you know, four or five years old, going to my parents with drawings. And that's why in high school, you know, I was, I was great at art. And I wanted to go to art school and just keep on developing, creating, sculpting, drawing. For me, I just I, I love being creative and, and making things with my hands and creating things in my vision I'd see and then putting them into, you know, little things that I create and build. So I guess it's always been inside me. It must have been something I was born with. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I can definitely see that even now in your books and the pictures in your office, yeah. just uh, the way your office is made. And we'll talk a, a little bit about that. So take us to you went to undergrad and where did you go to med school and uh, residency program? Training? Yeah, so I went to uh, North Dakota after my dad and I went there and I went to University of North Dakota for undergrad. I was a visual arts major in pre-med, applied, got to medical school, so stayed there for medical school. And then I did a primary care family medicine residency in Fargo. And then again, I was like, you know, I think I need to do a little bit more. So I wanted to do more sports medicine, orthopedics. I've always liked athletics and uh, the way the body works. And I wanted to do the orthopedic route. So I did a fellowship in Minneapolis in sports medicine and non-surgical orthopedics. And that, I think, changed my life for the good. I mean, at that point, my uh, mentor during my fellowship, his name is Rob Johnson. And he would not let us prescribe anti-inflammatories. He didn't let us inject cortisone shots. And he um, knew that there is a better way to treat patients. And he started kind of exposing me to something called prolotherapy during my during my fellowship. And uh, since then, of course, prolotherapy is what my first book was based off of, is how to do these regenerative type injections. And, of course, over the last 15 years, prolotherapy has grown into more regenerative orthopedics, which includes PRP and stem cells and all those other amazing things we can do to help regenerate people's bodies. So what was it about prolotherapy that excited you so much? Yeah, I think it was the fact that it did no harm. You know, back in med school, we were taught, hey, first do no harm, but here we are prescribing medications with side effects, tons of drugs, people are getting addicted, opioids aren't working, cortisone damages the cartilage, and we're not doing much to help them. So when my you know, mentor, Rob Johnson, gave me that gift of, hey, why don't you try prolotherapy? Very safe, it's just a concentrated dextrose solution, you put it in the joint, and now, you know, we're finding out that prolotherapy has got a lot of positive qualities. It actually helps regenerate cartilage. It activates our stem cells. So just concentrated dextrose in the joint improves the environment. So uh, the fact that he gave me this opportunity to learn it, since then I've just, you know, of course, continued to learn and expand on, on those procedure skills. So do you remember your first patient you did prolotherapy on? Um, yeah, you know, the first thing I did is I went down to Honduras. It's kind of an intensive two-week kind of program down there. Now I teach every year for the Hemohaga Foundation and teach other doctors how that first experience with this amazing therapy. Yeah, the first time I think I was pretty nervous that, wow, I hope this works. But then when they come back two months later, they're like, my knee pain's gone. You're like, is there something to this? So back then it was the testimonies of my patients that gave me the belief. And now it's the evidence-based research that really kind of puts a stamp of approval on these types of procedures. Tell us a little bit about your approach to regenerative yeah. medicine and what does it mean for you? Yeah, it's just uh, I love going to work. I love the fact that every time I go to work and there's a new patient on my schedule, they're going to have a very complex problem. They're going to be broken. They're going to have pain. Pain causes psychological drainage. These guys are apathetic. They're hurt. And like I said, I'm a sensitive guy, so I hear these stories. And often I'll cry a little bit when I hear their stories, but then when I offer them our plan – they start to cry because no one's ever given them hope before. But here I am telling, hey, you know what? You've tried all this stuff. They want to do surgery on your knee, but let me show what we can do for you. 
So, of course, we'll talk about what I call the articulation or the joint, and we'll talk about PRP and stem cells and prolotherapy and everything we can do there. But then I explain that patient too, but there's more we can do for you. We first need to get your cell health better, which means getting you sleeping, eating, talking about nutrition, getting the weight down, because you'll heal better if we get those biologic things better. We talk about functional movement. I give them exercise and physical therapy, moving their bodies appropriately. And the newest thing we're doing a lot of is nerve work. If we don't get their nerves healthy, and there's some different injections, procedures we can do, then their joints aren't going to repair. So when I give this, this plan of attack, we're going to not just get your joints healed, we're going to get your mind healed. You're going to be sleeping better. We're going to get you losing weight basically overhauling their life. It's not just the joint, it's their whole body. So I think that's why we're so successful. I mean, this year we got an award for being the most busy and the most successful regenerative clinic in the nation. And it's because our outcomes aren't based on just injecting. Our outcomes are based on the entire body and how we heal that body. So yeah, it's humbling, but it's amazing. Tell us about Rejuve. So Rejuve, again, I got that chance to leave the place I was working at and start my own thing. And I Went back and forth on what I wanted to call it, and I didn't want to have a name that was like, you know, Minnesota Regeneration or anything. I didn't want it to be regional. I wanted something that could grow and be a global concept and tons of words. And I liked that it. it was a short little word, Reju, but has a kind of upbeat peppiness to it. And when did you come up with that name? I don't even can't really remember. I think I just did a big, you know, brain dump and put tons of different words down there. And I remember the look I wanted. I wanted it to be short, succinct, to have a really neat R in there because of the logo. Did so, you design the logo? Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. my art background. And uh, and then the concept behind Reju when it first started was we're going to have a trifecta effect. And when you put these three elements together, you're going to change people's lives. So it was built on the trifecta of regenerative orthopedics, which is our you know bread and butter. That's the top of what we want to be the best at. But it's, it's supported by functional medicine, which includes all the lifestyle stuff we talked about. It talks about, you know, how do we optimize people's hormones? How do we heal their guts? How do we get their brain working again? And then the third pillar is, is medical fitness. It's getting people moving, exercise, eating right. Uh, and when you put that triad together, that's when you really get those life-changing testimonies that really make going to work worthwhile. I know when I first met you, it was like enlightenment because you make things that are rational, but you put it together to make sense. You know, you mix medical fitness with a functional medicine and with doing stem cell and PRP. So it, it was kind of like an eye opener. So to dive into that and, and, and tell the listener what that means when you combine all that together and how, how do, what does it mean? Yeah. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup, right? If you just had the chocolate, it's pretty good, but it's not that great. Peanut butter is pretty good, but you put them together, it's an amazing, savory flavor. And it's the same thing I found is when I first started the regenerative work is it was great. We're getting good outcomes. We're doing the prolotherapy and some PRP, but I thought, you know, what if we could get them healthy first? What if we get their cells optimally functioning, the mitochondria is working, their body in an anabolic stage so they could heal. And that's where the functional medicine came into place. And that added a whole new piece when I added my nurse who did functional medicine. But at the same time, they weren't losing weight, they weren't eating healthy, and they weren't exercising. So I brought in J.R. Burgess at that time, and he was a personal trainer at the local Gold's Gym. And he happened to be a patient of mine, and I helped heal his hamstring with uh, some prolotherapy. And so we would talk here and there at the gym, and I, I started noticing this guy's getting some results. People were losing weight. He was coaching them well. He was motivating. So I caught him in the parking lot one July and said, hey, JR, I said, you know, here's what I'm doing. I started my own clinic. You know, the, the old place where I was working is, is down now. But I said, I think you've got some skills that I need. I want you to come over. I want you to 
take my patients that I'm working on with functional medicine and regenerative medicine. I want you to get them exercising, eating healthy, and losing weight. He's like, that sounds amazing. That's just what exactly what his passion was to do. So six months later, he moved back to town and he started as my personal trainer working with my clients. And he eventually worked his way up in the business to be our CEO and work a lot on our business and our marketing and getting all that dialed in so that our amazing platform could be presented to people. Because you know, until then, if people didn't know what you did, no one's going to come in your door. So we really had to find a way to market ourselves, get out in our community, get out in the public and become the cutting edge place that we're known to be. But we had to educate people that we are that. So that helped us get to the next step is, is learning how to get in front of people. So was there an enlightenment period during the time that the job that you had, they said, we're closing the, the business and you're like, oh my God, no, what am I going to do? And that must be a low point. So was there, a, a, you did you always know that you were going to do this trifecta or did it just, what happened that kind of came about for that maturation? Yeah, I think it kind of maybe evolved over about a year period because when I first learned I was losing my job, I was like, oh. Well, we'll see what happens. I said, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. And that was scary. You know, you start your own business and I had, like I said, a thousand square foot little room. And what happened over the first six months is the bank account kept dwindling down. I got down so low that I didn't even have a house payment left. I was down to nothing in my bank account because I had to pay my one staff. I wasn't even paying myself. And then we finally got a paycheck from insurance and, and then it just started to grow from there. So, and that's when we thought we needed to do a couple things to our business, right? So we wanted to do things that would stabilize our business to bring more money in the door. So we needed to bring in the fitness to one, start getting more money coming in the door. But what we found out was fascinating is once we brought in the fitness and did two things for our practice, it became an amazing tool to get people healthy, which was my main objective. We also found it was an amazing differentiator in our community showing that these guys do something different. They're not just there to get your joints, but they're there to make you better. So it actually became our best marketing tool. We looked at the numbers and it's amazing how much revenue we get from referrals from our, our fitness system. And so it has become our best referral source because it keep, creates kind of a tribal feel. People don't just go to Reju for their health, they go to Reju for their lifestyle. And they go there to hang out, they go there to be part of something bigger. So it's become more of a movement And I think it's just kind of evolved. You know, I've, I've hired amazing people. Everybody we hire, they stick to our three core values, which is they need to be virtuous, they need to be brilliant, and they need to get results. And when we hire based on those core values, they become the face of what we do. They believe in what we do. They're passionate about it. And I think they love work almost as much as I do. So. Hmm. So what impact have you made upon the community since uh, you opened up Rizhou? Yeah, it's been a great evolution. Like I said, when we first opened those first five years, I was a snake oil doctor. I think by all the other specialties in town, like especially orthopedics and primary care, we're probably the black sheep. Like, what are they doing in our community, trying all this stuff, da, da, da. But the amazing thing happened is now in our community, there's about five other subspecialties, including orthopedics, PM&R, The radiologists are all doing stem cells because we're driving it in our community. So we became the leaders. So they're not bad-mouthing us anymore. They're actually following our lead. So that was pretty awesome. And then in 2015, our clinic got this award as the most innovative business in, in Minnesota award. So it was award voted upon by consumers. And they said, this place is different. And it was also voted upon by other entrepreneurs and businesses in our community. So it was neat. We kind of got that full circle respect that I've always wanted. I've always... I think what's driven me so hard too is I've always been driving to be respected, you know, in what we do. And I think that was just such a validating award, you know, to the fact that we have come full circle. We're now leaders in the community. We're well respected. Everybody else is jumping on the train. What's the next step for Riju? 
it's just to keep on refining to keep on doing what we're doing for me to keep on learning and expanding my skill sets and uh, rejuve our mission is to really go global our mission is redefining healthcare worldwide we've got stuff happening in china where there's about 75 clinics sponsored by the government that are looking to do our lifestyle systems in china we've flown over there and we've educated in taiwan we've helped about 75 businesses in the united states create better marketing business systems and we've taught them how to do these amazing procedures that make their patients better as well. So our goal is just to continue to grow, to continue to push ourselves from international kind of a level. And the reason we're doing that it's all altruistic, it's virtuous because we want other patients to have this amazing opportunity. And I know there's enough doctors out there that want the training, they want to learn to be great. So it's it's a bright future. To kind of clarify, regenerative medicine kind of like a lot of people wants to get into it. Sometimes it's a wild, wild west. To educate our listeners and the audience, if they were going to want this treatment, they want to repair themselves and heal, what question should they ask? Who do you think they should pick as their regenerative provider? Yeah, it's super important just because right now it is becoming a little bit the Wild West out there. There are so many clinics opening up saying, hey, we do stem cells. It's almost like at every street corner, somebody else you know, hanging a shingle. Even in our community in Minnesota, there's over about 35 sites in Minnesota doing stem cells now. But when you look at their websites, you look at their training, they really aren't a specialty in that field. They they haven't gone through the time it takes to be trained in these things. And they're using some products that probably aren't even stem cells. So, you know, there, there's some fraudulent marketing going on out there. So I think that's a big deal is you need to make sure you go into somebody that's well-trained. You need to make sure you go into somebody that are using cells that are going to be helpful. There's a lot of stuff out there that you can use. And, and I think you need to go someplace too. It just looks outside the box and wants to do not just get you joint and take your checkbook, but they want to help you along the way and kind of be a partner for a long time getting you better. So it is really important because there's a lot of marketing out there. There's a lot of you know free seminars going on where you can go and they promise the, the world to you. And I think the consumer needs to be very educated on the realistic, what they can get out of these procedures, uh, but also the opportunity that it can get them to change their lives. So what questions should they ask when they see the provider? You know, I'd ask things like, you know, what's your training? How long have you been doing this? How do your results stack up to others that are doing this, you know, in the field? Do you have any complication rates? And you should ask all those pertinent questions like you're going into a surgery. If you're going to go into surgery, you're going to have your leg, you know, worked on. You want to know the credentials of that surgeon. Are they competent? Do they have any kind of history of any problems? And make sure you want to somebody with a good outcome. And, and really, regenerative orthopedics is becoming a subsurgical specialty. It's becoming so specific with what we can do and using the ultrasound and image guidance. Um, it's becoming very complicated. So it's not as easy like it used to be as just squirting in the joints. You have to hit all the little structures, the ligaments, and we call it biotensegrity. There's just a lot to hit to make those joints recover. What's your favorite thing to do in your business? What drive you in your business? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of everything. I love the testimonies of patients when they come back. I love follow-ups when they're, you know, good and kind of just hearing the story of, you know, how they – first came to see us and they had no hope and they're broken and then we gave them a little hope and then they talk about their actual procedure and they're like it wasn't that bad and then they say now I'm playing with my grandkids or now I'm going hiking or I, I signed up for a half marathon so I just love the testimonies and I love the fact that you know as a physician in America we have the freedom to do amazing things to be outside the box and to provide the health care I think that patients need so I just you know every day I get up and I'm not a morning person but I'm, I drive to work with the optimism every day that I get to do something fun. So what would your advice will be for the listener and the audience to live their best life? Yeah. 
So well, pay attention to this. Yeah. You know, right now I'm working on a book and it's called Becoming Superman and it's, oh. it's done. I just got to get it out there and it's, it's uh, another it's, book. This is in written. addition to your regenerative. Yeah. Book. Yeah. Those, that, that book was more focused on everything about how can you regenerate the body non-surgically? How can you avoid drugs and surgery? The Becoming Superman is, is simply about mindset is how do you become the best version of yourself you can be? And it, it, it has to do a lot with um, that story I told you, right? I was a broken kid, and my childhood could have sent me in two different directions. But it's what I did with that that either created my superpowers, which is being creative, being comfortable, being confident, being okay outside the box, or it could have broken me down. I could have started drugs, and I could have self-medicated and gone the other way. So you have to take your past and write your story. I think once you realize what your superpowers you know, are, which is our personality – it's our past experiences. It's our family. It's our training. It's our talents. Those are our superpowers. And then you have to realize what is your, I call it kryptonite. Right? What, what pulls you down? Is it your addictions? Is it your past? Has there been abuse? Is it your self-confidence? Is it your mindset? Are you negative? Do you look at a situation and say, I can't do that? Or you look at a situation and say, I'm going to tackle that. So we work a lot with eliminating people's kryptonite because the kryptonite is what it's going to, it's going to poison you. And we say, forget the kryptonite, deal with it. We tell them to look at it. You have to identify it and then you have to eliminate it, but then you have to substitute your kryptonite with the superpower. So the book really goes to a lot of detail on this. But once you enhance your life into your superpowers, you've got to do one thing and that's called developing your quest. What is your mission? What is the one reason or the one thing God put you on the earth for? And when I kind of went through this book and went through the process myself, my one thing was to be the best darn regenerative doctor I can be and provide the best outcomes to my patients. That's my one thing that I want to be good at. And so everything I do with my practice, with my business, is focused on that one thing, being the best regenerative doctor, getting the best, best outcomes. Now, you might have your one thing in your family, like I want to be the best you know, dad I can be or I want to be the best friend. So you might have multiple one things in your different kind of pillars of your life. But in my business, I want to be the best doctor. In my family, I want to be the best leader, inspiring dad, You know, the best person I can be for my family, my wife, my kids. So the book really is a great book for businesses to take your staff, get your entire staff on your mission and get them out of their kryptonite into your superpowers. It's also a great book for those that are you know, entrepreneurs wanting to take themselves to the next level. They're slowed down. They don't have the mindset. They're not thinking confidently. It helps them to really, in a very practical way, there's a, there's a workbook that goes with you. you. You fill in all the blanks. You do a personality profile to see what type of innate personality are you made with. What, because of my personality, is going to pull me down, but what are my gifts within your personality type? So uh, it does have a lot of analysis, a lot of reflection, a lot of going back and writing your story. So through the book, at the end of the book, you're supposed to go and write your story. You know, what was your childhood like? What was it like? You know, what were your teenagers like? What was positive and negative about it? And then you analyze, okay, based on all my experiences, you put all your superpowers and your kryptonite into two different categories. And then there's strategies to take to start to eliminate those you know, bad things and put you into your wheelhouse, which again is going to help you achieve your quest, which is your mission. So what's your kryptonite? My kryptonite, let's see, would probably be... I like to do too much. You know, I like to take on everything. And I've learned over the past three years is to focus and to uh, take all the, this energy, take all these ideas and try to, again, work on your one thing. You know, in the past, I'd work on 10 different things and my energy would be split in 10 ways. But when you learn to focus, I think that's, that's a big thing. Big part of my kryptonite for my past was my self-confidence. You know, when you're this, this I dealt with as a young kid, right? I was, I was broken, I was beat down. But you know, like I said, early in high school, I learned to deal with my insecurities, realizing it was cool to be who I was. Um, so luckily, I was able to deal with those insecurities of my personality at a young age. 
you know, I have patients and I meet people all the time in their 20s and 30s and they haven't dealt with their brokenness. And until you either get professional counseling or deal with getting that catharsis out, you've got to get rid of that brokenness. And so, and people know, anybody listening right now, they're probably thinking, crap, you know, I had some things happen to me that I've never dealt with. Or, man, I might have been the one that hurt somebody else, but I've never asked for forgiveness. You know, so your kryptonite can also come from what you've done to other people. And sometimes you have to go back and call up a friend from five years ago and say, you know what? I just realized that when I didn't invite you to the wedding and you weren't in the, you know, part of the bridesmaids that I hurt you deeply. I just want to say, I'm sorry. I still value our friendship. And you start asking for forgiveness. You start, all these weights start to go away. So there's a lot of stuff there about analyzing who you are and who you've hurt because it goes both ways. Wow. Wow. I'm looking forward to the book. Now, what's your superpowers before? Yeah, my superpowers are, um, I'm creative. When I took my personality profile, I am a, I'm an outgoing person. From introvert to outgoing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I'm also, um, I'm kind of a combination personality. So I'm a type A, which is outgoing, kind of, which can have good and bad things about it. Um, but I'm also kind of a thinker, and, um, which sometimes I can be very introverted. I can just like, I would be okay tonight for the next four hours to sit in my hotel room and just write, create, and work on my books. I would get such pleasure out of that. But I also feel like hanging out with friends tonight and doing the same thing. So, but my superpowers are personality-wise. I'm creative, I am focused, I'm energetic, and I, you know, I like to get things done. My other superpowers are I think I, I think outside the box. And I'm a good, just like when I create art, I can take a blank piece of paper, I can fill in the blanks. At the end of it, it's something that has substance to it. And that's what I've done like with my business. I've been able to kind of take something in my head and to make it into something three-dimensional that actually works together. So I think I've learned that I'm a visionary. You know, I'm not as much of an implementer. I don't like to do the odd little task, but I like to create and to uh, paint visions of what it could be. And that's kind of what Rejuve has happened is I've had a lot of great implementers underneath me that have taken my concepts and have created it. So when is this book coming out then? Yeah, I've got two books I got to finish. I'm finishing an ultrasound guided procedure book. And so that's pretty much done. I'm just working on some details. So that'll hopefully be out by July. How many books have you written? Start um, with number one. Yeah, the first book was a uh, manual for generative injections, palpation based. So it's kind of become a hot thing on the black market. You know, I think when it first started, <laughs> that's the there was, Bible for yeah, there, was no, there was no organized system for people. So I thought I've got to organize this. So that was fun. And then the second book was, you know, regenerate, heal your body without drugs or surgery. I just felt there was something that the consumers and the society needed to know about that they have options. They don't have to be okay with just doing cortisone and pain meds and surgery. So that was a 10 year labor of love, just getting all that knowledge. Into 10 one year labor of love was that been, book? Yeah, I've been working on these things forever, you know, making PowerPoints and talks and I just put it all together and it's gotten very, very well, thick. You have, to lo- you have to sign the book for it's me. It's a thick book, I will. Yeah, the book I'm working on now is the ultrasound guided procedure book, which is going to take it to the next level. And then my Superman book is pretty much done. It's just a matter of organizing and editing it. But So you're doing two books at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I need to focus. Right? That's my one thing. It's my weakness. <laughs> if I could focus on one thing, it'd probably been done last year. But Wow. How, where do you find the time to do all this? You sleep? <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I sleep well and I, I enjoy life. One thing I've realized too is you don't have to do it all in a day. You know, you can have your goals out there. And I'm good at setting a five-year goal and a one-year goal and a weekly goal, but I'm also learning to just enjoy the journey. You know, take time with your family and your friends, go on vacations. It's just, yeah. So I've realized it's not about the destination. It's about the ride. They've got to have fun on the ride. And you're the best at that too. Every time we're together, we're always having fun. We're always laughing because I think you and I both just enjoy the ride too. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think we're, we're uh, we think uh, quite a bit the same. So, as a patient, so h- how do they find you? How how can your potential patient find you? Yeah, I'm sure the best way to do that is just go to our website, rejuvemedical.com. 
you know, and that's where, of course, you can kind of take a look at what we do. Take a look at how our model is a little bit different, and that's probably the way to get a hold of us, you know, get a hold of people that can answer any questions about these procedures and kind of how we can change your life for the good. Well, thank you very much. This podcast is sponsored by the Trong Rehabilitation Center. Visit Dr. Ann Trong at trongrehab.com. That's T-R-U-O-N-G rehab.com. Or call her today at 540-374-3164. That's 540-374-3164.